Happy Easter from Ridgepoint Church. It is so good to see you guys. So great to have those of you online that are watching us online right now. I hope that you are blessed and I hope that you remember uh, what Jesus Christ has done. Today we celebrate his resurrection. Amen. Today we know that our God is alive and well. We know that today Jesus is with us. Because he is just that amazing. If you're visiting with us today or today's your first time or your first time in a long time, let me just say welcome. I hope that you felt welcomed here at Ridgepoint Church. Our goal is to make sure that everyone that walks through those doors know that Jesus loved them, loves them. And so I hope that we've made you feel welcome today. What I want to do in the little time that I have with you guys today is very simple. Today's going to be simple and easy, okay? Today is going to be simple and easy. What I want to do today is talk about one of life's big questions. It doesn't matter if you're Christian today, doesn't matter if you came in this room or you're watching online um, and, and you may not know God, doesn't matter if you've given your heart to him or what we call surrendered to him, today it doesn't even matter if you believe in God in this moment. Today I want you to listen because this applies to you as well, all of us. The question that I want to ask you today that many people could be wondering right now is what does it take to be right with God? What does it take to be right with God? If you ask that question today out in our society, you're going to get a lot of different answers, right? Doesn't matter who you talk to, you're going to get a lot of different answers from a lot of different people. We live in a day and time that I would call very spiritually pluralistic. Okay, which means, in other words, tolerance is really high valued thing. And it's very common for people today to believe something like this. All roads lead to God. It's very common today in our society for folks to believe all roads really lead to God. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about what you believe. That's all that really matters, right? That's what society teaches us. All world religions are essentially the same, even though you may not say that out loud or verbally, deep down, many of us believe that all religions are really the same and they all lead to God. The interesting thing to me that as soon as someone dies, we start thinking about this. Unfortunately, I've been to a lot of funerals lately and, and every time that I go to a funeral, folks are contemplating this question, what does it take? To be right with God. We tend to think that we're indestructible, right? We tend to think that we have all the time in the world until we don't. Or until something happens and our loved one is taken away from us far too early that we imagine. One day we recognize that we are not indestructible. As soon as someone dies, we start having what I call feel-good theology, okay? And I don't mean any disrespect by saying this at all. But as soon as someone dies or passes away that's around us, we start to almost have what I call feel-good theology. And we basically stay, say things like this. Well, Grandma's not suffering anymore. I'm so glad about that. Grandpa, he's in a much better place, isn't he? Or we start saying things like, well, at least she's singing with the angels in heaven. And again, I mean no disrespect by saying this, but there's at least three times a day that I don't want my grandma looking down on me. Okay? Maybe you feel the same way. She's not going to be happy with what she sees. And if she had a paddle, she'd probably beat me with it. That's my grandma, right? 
So it's just probably we have this feeling of what I call feel-good theology, and we start questioning, how are we made right with God? How can I be right with God? It's probably no secret. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I'm proud to say that today. It's not by my works. It's not by anything that I've done, only by the work of God and Jesus himself. But what's interesting to me is that we can talk about God all day, every day, right? In society, we can talk about God all day, every day. And no one really cares. It's not very confrontational. You can say that you have a higher power and everybody, that's great. You have a higher power. That's wonderful. You can say that you're spiritual and everybody kind of pats you on the back. That's great that you're spiritual. You can say that, that, that any of those things and it's not very confrontational. But the moment that you speak the word of Jesus, all of a sudden things change, right? In society today, the moment that you speak the word Jesus and say, I serve Jesus, something happens in the conversation. Something just happens. It becomes very confrontational. And so I ask the question today, why? Why is it that it happens that way? What's interesting to me is that hardly no one debates the existence of Jesus. Hardly no one debates the historical figure, Jesus of Nazareth, okay? Hardly no one debates that this guy named Jesus actually exists. There's no rationally thinking person that could say the historical figure, Jesus, didn't exist. People generally accept Jesus, the historical figure, as being real and true, and he actually walked on earth. It's also interesting to me because people, they, they don't really dislike his teaching, they don't really dislike it. As a matter of fact, it's hard for any moral person to say, I dislike the teachings of Jesus, right? Because Jesus taught things like, take care of the poor. Go to people that are outcasts and take care of them. Open your homes to them. Open your hearts to them. Love others that don't look like you. And he also says things like, forgive people that don't really deserve it. So as a moral person, like it's really difficult to say, no, I, I don't want anything to do with that, right? So not a lot of people debate the, the, the teachings of Jesus. And then most people don't even debate the existence of Jesus. Why is it, then, that folks get so bent out of shape when we talk about Jesus? Why is that? I think it's possibly because of the exclusive claim of Jesus, we live in a very inclusive world. All beliefs should be treated equally, right? That's what we are taught. No one should be left out. All roads lead to God. All world religions are basically the same. And then Jesus comes, and he completely opposes that mindset when he says that, hey, I'm the only way to the Father. I'm the only way. As a matter of fact, we read what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty exclusive, isn't it? It's very exclusive for Jesus in this inclusive Religious, pluralistic society that we live in, Jesus makes an exclusive claim, and he says, I am the only way to the Father. Guys, that just rubs some people the wrong way. It just rubs some people the wrong way. Many folks still want to say, but no, all roads lead to God. 
All roads lead to God. What I want you to realize today, what I want to, to really get across to you today, is that while there are some good things from a lot of world religions today, there are some good things that you can cherry pick out. We are nowhere the same. There's, there's, we are in a whole different ballpark than all other world religions. In fact, if you give me a moment, I'm going to give you an overview of some of the world religions, okay? Hear me out, okay? We'll start with Buddhism. A Buddhist believes that, that, that um, there is no God. There's only a, a final type of existence. And so that a Buddhist believes in reincarnation, countless rebirths over and over and over, and eventually they hope that, that, that the cycle ends at some point, right? That's what a Buddhist believes. Contrast that with Hinduism. Hindus believe in a God that is approached by deities, by statues, and by idols. The first two religions, Buddhists and Hindus, they offer no forgiveness of sins, no supernatural help. They only offer karma. I don't know about you, but that's not good for me. Karma's not good for me, right? So you're going to contrast that with Muslim. A Muslim worships a personal God named Allah. Muslims have no secondary gods, and they don't worship idols. Your standing with God is based solely on your religious good works and your effort. Contrast that with New Agers. I don't know if you know this term or not, but there are folks out there that consider themselves New Agers, and they believe there is no God, that there's only a higher consciousness. And your goal is to be one with the cosmos and the universe. And then you contrast that with a Jesus follower. You contrast that with someone who follows Jesus and believes in a personal God, who loved his people so much that he became just like you and me. He came down to earth and he lived as the person of Jesus and he lived without sin. He died for our sins, you and I, for our sins on the cross and on the third day he arose from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And people are made right with God not by going through deities or idols or religious goods Good works or performances, but we're made right uh, with God by faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're not like any other religion. We are made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, alone. Can we just acknowledge that while there are some good things that we can cherry pick out of other world religions, we are not, absolutely not the same. So here's what I want to do with the little time that we have left, okay? What I want to do today, it's really simple. It's really simple. I'm going to ask you, all of you, if you're watching online or in this room, I'm just going to ask you to do something very simple, very easy. I want you to consider Jesus. Just consider Jesus. Hear me out on this. Consider Jesus, no matter your background, uh, just consider Jesus. And let me be very clear. I'm not asking you to consider Ridgepoint Church, okay? I'm not. I'm not asking you to, 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 to consider me as a pastor. I'm not. I'm not asking you to consider a denomination or a Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or whoever. I'm not asking you to do that. And I'm definitely not asking you to consider other Christians. That's not the way to go either. I am simply asking you for the next few minutes that we have together to consider Jesus. What he taught, what people said of him, 
what he did and what he left us with. I'm asking you over the next few minutes that we have together to look at all aspects of the man called Jesus and consider him. Can we do that together today? First thing I want to talk about is consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Let's consider who he came for and how he treated them. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 2, the Gospel of Mark. He says, When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, listen, the sinners and the tax collectors, these are folks that nobody wanted to be around, right? No one wanted to be around the sinners. Definitely no one wanted to be around the tax collectors. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I'm going to eat with those folks. I'm going to go to the people that the world rejects, and I'm going to have dinner with them, and I have lunch with them, I have breakfast with them. I'm going to sit down with the people that everyone else rejects. And listen, to the Pharisees, and these were the teachers of the law, man, that got under their skin. That really got under their skin because they're the ones that kind of cast these people out. Don't get around the sinners. Don't get around the tax collectors. They're not good people. And so the Pharisees, it really got under their skin that Jesus was eating with them. And they asked his disciples, the Pharisees, they came and asked his disciples, why does he eat with these people? Why does he sit down with the, with the drug addicts and the alcoholics? Why does he sit down with the folks that are so far away from God? Why does he do that? And then Jesus overheard what they were saying. Jesus overheard what they were saying, and he said to the Pharisees, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. Like he just shoved it in their faces. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call the sinners. It's like he just sticking it to them, man. And it didn't make them happy. As a matter of fact, they got pretty upset about this. And they just it just kind of compiled on top of each other until they were so upset, they ended up sending him to the cross. But I love this, folks. I love the fact that Jesus, he didn't come for, for those that have it all together. Can you do this for me just for a second? Would you do me a quick favor? If you're online watching, you can put a little emoji up or something. If you have it all together, would you raise your hand? If you, you've had it all together, you know what's going on, everything's good in your life, raise your hand. Me either. Guess what? Everybody that's not raising their hands, Jesus came for you. Right? He came for you. You don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. I love the fact that Jesus came for us. He came for those that religion rejected. He came for those when everyone else is saying, you're not good enough. You're not clean enough. You've done too much. You're not holy enough. You need to, you need to put better clothes on. You need to, to not, don't come in church with your blue jeans and your t-shirt because that's not what you're supposed to do. Don't come around here looking like that. Don't come in here with alcohol on your breath. Like, those are the exact people that Jesus came for. Don't come in here with pride and envy in your heart. Don't come in here from lusting last night, watching pornography. Don't come in here. That's what religion says. And Jesus says, come to me. I can fix you. I just love it. I don't know about you. I just love it. The fact that my Jesus reaches those that religion rejects. Not only did he come for sinners, but when you look at the ministry of Jesus, 
You'll be blown away by his miracles, honestly. If you've ever read the Gospels, just read about what my Jesus has done. It's amazing. He's made the mute speak. He's made the deaf hear. He's made the lame to walk. He's done all these things. As a matter of fact, he took like a couple loaves of bread and a few fish, and he fed 5,000 people. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like, that's a good guy. He's a good God. Jesus, he even turned water into wine. It's still making all my Baptist friends shake their heads. I don't understand it. That's just what he did. He's a, The first service didn't get that. They didn't even laugh. I was like, come on, guys. I tried all night to come up with that. What's so interesting to me is that the folks living and when Jesus was walking the earth, they didn't even debate whether or not he did the miracles. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees, they didn't even debate whether or not he did the miracles. They accepted it. You know why? Because they saw it. They saw it with their own eyes. And so they did. no one hardly debates the miracles or the validity of the miracles. All they wanted was for him to stop because he was causing a scene. He, he came onto the scene and he was causing a scene. And so the religious leaders, they just wanted him to stop. No one says that he wasn't doing these things. No one it really uh, um, uh, debates the validity of these miracles. No one says that he didn't raise from the dead. They saw it. They witnessed it. And so I'm asking you to consider the ministry of Jesus. What's crazy? What's crazy? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that you and I that are sitting in this room or watching online that our followers of Jesus have surrendered our lives to Him, you and I are a direct example of the miracles of Jesus. Hear me out. Check this out. You and I are a direct example of the ministry of Jesus. Each one of us could say, this is who I was, but thanks be to God, He changed me. He saved me, and now this is who I am. All of us could do that. As a matter of fact, when I finally surrendered my life to Jesus, when I finally let go, <clears throat> I became a Christian when I was 13, but I definitely didn't walk a path that I feel like is worthy uh, of, of that call at all. And so when Jesus finally saw, when I finally, not Jesus finally, when I finally looked up to see him and surrender my life to him, man, I was in a dark spot. I was in a dark place. Very dark place, drinking and smoking and partying, doing all the things of this world. You know why? Because I was trying to find my worth in the world. I was trying to find my worth in the creation instead of the creator. That's what I was doing. And then Jesus stooped down when I finally surrendered my life to him. He stooped down and he grabbed me. He picked me up from the mess that I had created in my life. How many of you have created messes in your life? We, he cre I created this mess. And then Jesus reached down, picked me up, and sat me on the solid rock. And therefore today, I am a miracle of Jesus, my Savior, because I can say, this is who I was, but I'm not who I was anymore. This is who I am because of Jesus. And if you're in this room today or watching online, and you're a follower of Jesus, you can say the same thing. You are a miracle of Jesus. And so I want you to consider the ministry of Jesus, who he came for. The second thing that you should consider is the resurrection of Jesus. 
Man, this is good. Jesus, we're, we're celebrating this today. And, and before I go any further, I just want to thank the worship team. Man, you guys, wow. Thank you for leading us this morning, and thank you for leading us to Jesus. Amazing. Media team, those folks that are in the back, they have worked so hard. I want to also mention our kids team and our volunteer, our, our team members. Everyone has worked so hard to make sure that we could come here today to do this. Worship Jesus together. Second thing I want you to do is consider the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Jesus, he was miraculously conceived. That means that he was born of a virgin. He didn't inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. He was completely without sin. And you know what he did? He lived a perfect life. He lived that perfect life for us. On the cross, he took your sin and he took my sin. He suffered horribly on the cross. While creation was mocking him, while creation was spitting on him, while creation was humiliating him, while creation was doing all these things and hurling insults toward Jesus, they beat him beyond recognition, okay? They beat him beyond recognition. You know what Jesus says? You know what he said after all of those things happened to him? You know what this guy says? What would you have said if, if folks were insulting you? If folks were beating you, I bet it's not what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I have goosebumps. The love of Jesus, when we insult him, when we say terrible things about him, when we sin and we know we've done wrong, when we do things against Him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you just for a moment imagine the love of one man? Can you imagine the grace? Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And then Jesus cried out that victorious cry. He says, it is finished. He was on the cross, and he said, it is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He gave his last breath. Like, it's just remarkable, folks. The moment that he died, did you know the earth went dark and the ground began to tremble? Did you know that those things happened? The, the place where God's presence dwelt on earth, the holy of holies inside the temple, this was the place that, that no one could go into. The priest went into once, once a year. And if, if they went into this place called the holy of holies and they had sin in their life at all, unsacrificed uh, or sin that had not been paid for uh, by blood of an animal, if they walk in there, they typically put a, a, a rope on their legs because if they walked in and they had sin in their lives, they were killed instantly. And they had to drag them out with that rope and pull them back out that's how amazing this place was and do you know what happened when Jesus gave his last breath the veil this huge thick veil separating the holy of holies from every other place split right down the middle split right down the middle okay can you imagine what those folks were thinking at that time amazing isn't it split right down the middle you know why it split that way God doesn't dwell in there anymore. You know where God dwells now? I am the temple. You are the temple. We are the temple. He's living in us now when we call him Lord and we believe 
in him. That's a freebie. I'm just throwing that out there. Jesus cried out, it is finished. Into your hand I commit my spirit. The moment that he died, all these things happened. There was a Roman centurion there at the time. He was a soldier, and and he wasn't a follower of Jesus. This is someone that had never been a follower of Jesus before. And you know what he did? He saw the love of Christ. He saw the heart of Christ. He saw the ministry of Christ. He saw the mercy of Christ. And he said this, he said, I didn't believe before. I didn't believe before, but now I believe. Surely that man was no ordinary man. He was surely the son of God. This was just a random guy that had never believed in Jesus before. You know, Good Friday is the day that God proved he is who he says that he is. The crucifixion was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Resurrection Day that we're celebrating today is the day that Jesus proved that He is who He says that He is. The Son of God who would die and then three days later rise from the grave. God is who He says He is. Jesus is who He says He is. Just as Jesus predicted, I'm going to give my life. Jesus predicted that. I'm going to give my life and then three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. Three days later, a woman went to the tomb, and Jesus wasn't there. He wasn't there. The stone was rolled away, and he was not there. That's the resurrection of our Savior. Peter was this guy who was a disciple. And you know what Peter did? The night before Jesus was crucified, Peter said, I'll go with you till you die, until I die, Jesus. I will go with you to the very end. I will never deny you. I'll fight anyone for you. And then the Roman soldiers came and got Jesus. Guess who denied him three times before the rooster crowed the next day? Peter. The same one that said, I'll not do it, Jesus. I'll not do it. Failed him three times. The same guy just denied him. But you know what? He was completely transformed by the resurrection. Peter was completely transformed by the resurrection of Jesus. You know what Peter says just shortly after that in Acts chapter 3? Peter says, you killed the author of life. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And then he says, we are witnesses of this. Peter said, we're witnesses of this. We saw him. And you know what? That's why these men were willing to die after that because they saw the risen Lord they saw the risen Lord the same one that they were denying days earlier they're willing to die for him now because of the resurrection some people say that the Roman soldiers stole the body (laughs) that didn't happen you know what the Roman soldiers would have loved nothing better than to produce a body of Jesus right so they didn't steal the body Some people say that the disciples came in the night and they stole the body. Sure, that's what happened. These unarmed men overpowered these trained, armed soldiers, Roman soldiers. You'd still have the testimony of the Roman soldiers if that would have happened. They would have still testified that they overpowered us. These men came in, they overpowered us. 
Do you really believe or expect any rational person to believe that 11 average, uneducated men devised the greatest scheme in all of history? They pulled it off. Then they kept it a secret at tremendous peril to their personal sacrifice and cheated the world to become a better place all to save themselves? Like, why would they do that? Do you honestly believe that's possible? And Peter says, we're witnesses of this. We saw it. Ten of the remaining disciples, Jesus had 12 disciples, ten of the remaining disciples, they died what we call martyr's death. They were murdered, basically. They died a martyr's death. Why were they willing to die? Would you die for a lie? If you told a lie, would you honestly give your life just so you could cover up that lie? I wouldn't. I'd tell the truth. Before someone killed me for it, they died because they saw it. They gave their lives in a martyr's death because they were witnesses of the resurrected king. The early church was born when 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost, which happened about 40 days after Jesus arose from the grave. 2,000 years later, here we are. Millions of people and hundreds of thousands of churches that placed their faith in a resurrected Jesus. Their faith in a resurrected Jesus. I'm asking you today, consider the resurrection. Consider the resurrection. And the last thing is this. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. Consider the eternal message of of Jesus, the question was, how are we made right with God? How are we made right with God? You know what? Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says this. This is Paul speaking, okay? Paul says, We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Like, it can't get any cleaner than that. It can't get any solid, more solid than that right there. We are made right. With God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what he goes on to say? And this is true for who? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. (laughs) The outcast, doesn't matter. The addicts, doesn't matter. The prideful, doesn't matter. The rich, doesn't matter. The poor, doesn't matter. The middle class, doesn't matter. Those that live in a big house, doesn't matter. Who live in a small house, doesn't matter. Everyone. Everyone. We're made right with God in faith, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Can you notice just for a moment, I I like to look at Scripture and notice what the Scripture didn't say. Can you notice just for a moment the Scripture didn't say this? It didn't say if you're good enough, you can be right with God. It didn't say if you're clean enough, you can be right with God. It didn't say if you read your Bible enough, you can be right with God. It didn't say if you pray hard enough or if you do good works enough, you can be right with God. 
You know what? It's not about any of those things. It's not about how much you pray. It's not about how much that you give. It's not about how much that you do. It's not about how clean that you are. It's not about the fact that you've never been on drugs before. You've never watched pornography. You've never been prideful. You've never been envious. It's not about any of those things because, listen, none of us are worthy. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about Ridgepoint Church. It's not about Pastor Clayton. It's not about this wonderful worship team. It's not about any denomination. And I'm going to say this, and I hope that you don't call me a heretic. It's not even about this. This is so important. So important. But it's not even about this. It's all about Jesus. I'm asking you today as the worship folks come. Consider Jesus. I believe if you're in this place today, I believe some of you have been hurt by the church before. I believe some folks in this room or some folks listening online, I believe you've been hurt by religious people. I believe you've gone to some church and someone has told you that you're not good enough. You're not wearing the right clothes or saying the right things. And you're not welcome there. I believe some people have been hurt. I believe some folks came in today questioning, does Jesus even exist? Does God even exist? I believe that there are folks that are hurting today. Maybe you're going through a divorce right now. Maybe you're going through a a loss of someone that just passed away. Maybe you're dealing with a child who has strayed away. Doing drugs or partying or, or, or left you and you haven't talked to them in days. Any number of things that you're dealing with today. I'm asking you to consider Jesus. Not me. Guys, as much as I love you and as much as I want to be there for you, I will let you down. I'm just being honest. I'm not perfect. I don't proclaim to be perfect. At Rich Point Church, we don't say we're perfect. And we don't say we, we don't struggle. We struggle just like the next person. One of our values is that we live real. If you attend Rich Point Church and you call Rich Point Church your home, you value living real, which means that we don't profess to be something we're not. We struggle. We're honest with who we are and our standing so that God can transform us. Because God's not going to bless who you pretend to be. He's not going to free who you pretend to be. We're real with who we are. I'll let you down at some point. But Jesus won't. He just won't. And so I'm asking you today, don't consider the church. Don't consider the Bible. Don't consider a denomination. Don't consider me. Consider Jesus. You know what? It's between you and him. It's between you and him. He said, everyone who believes. It's the difference between religion and a relationship. Can I say that again? Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He didn't. That wasn't his thing. Jesus came to offer us eternal life. And guess what? Eternal life starts today. It does. Jesus is not just our God for when we leave this world and go to the next. He is our God now. He cares about us right now. 
He cares about you in this very moment right now. Will he save us? Can we go to heaven and live with him for all of eternity? Absolutely. But he has work for you right now. He has freedom for you right now. He has life for you right now. It's yours. He paid the price for that. Religion is all about how you perform. A relationship is all about how Jesus performed. Consider Jesus. Religion says if you work hard enough, maybe God will love you. That's what religion says. If you work hard enough, relationship says because God loves me, I want to serve him with everything in me. I want to do... When you love someone, you do nice things for them. If you don't, I'm not sure if you love them. Husbands, hear me. When I love Jesus, I want to serve him. And you know how Jesus told us to serve him? What you do to the least of these, your neighbors, you've done unto him. Relationship says, because God loves me, I want to obey, obey him. Get this. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus the church? No. Jesus plus religion? No. Jesus plus Bible study? No. Those are great things. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'm asking you today, to consider Jesus above everything, all of the hurts, all the times that you've come to him before, all the times that you've, you've given your life to him before. Maybe you're here today and you've been baptized before, but you just don't know about this thing called Christianity. I'm asking you today to stop considering all these things that religion throws at you and just consider Jesus. The ministry, the resurrection, and the eternal message of Jesus. Because nothing else matters. Consider Jesus. Listen. Some of you are saying right now, I believe it. Listen, I'm, I'm done with that. I, some of you are saying in your heart right now, I want to surrender. It's just so hard. It's just so hard. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I can't do it. Some of you right now are thinking to yourself, I'm afraid I can't walk the walk. Oh, I love this so much. You know what? Jesus knew you couldn't walk the walk, and that's why he gave his life for you. Can you hear me today? Jesus knew that you couldn't be good enough or do good enough or clean yourself up enough. That's why he had to give his life for you. And if you give your life to him today, you surrender to him today, you're not just going to become perfect tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. But Jesus will be with you. He is your God. You are his child at that point. He will give you the faith and the grace that you need for today, every day. And tomorrow when you wake up, he gives you new grace. He gives you new faith. He gives you new blessings. He gives you new life every single day that you wake up. You're struggling right now. You're watching online and you're struggling. You're saying, Pastor Clayton, I can't do this. And I'm telling you, you're exactly right. You can't do this. Thank God that he already did this. All he's asking for you. You know how you get right with Jesus or get right with God? 
is faith in Jesus. Do you believe? And do you believe enough to step out today and surrender your life to a God that loves you far greater than you've ever imagined? Consider Jesus. Would you stand with me? Father, I come to you today and I'm just so thankful, Jesus, that you came and you gave your life for me. I am just so thankful that you paid the price that I couldn't even imagine paying. I'm so thankful that today you made a way for me. I'm so thankful today that you knew that I couldn't do this. And that's why you gave your life. Today, I acknowledge that I'm not good enough. Today, I acknowledge that I'm not clean enough. That I'm not perfect. And I surrender my life completely to you. I surrender to you. If you'll keep your heads bowed just for a moment, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to be forward this morning because I want, I believe that God is working on people in this space today. Whether you're online or you're in this room, I believe today that God is working with people in this space. I want to know today, if you're, if you're t- here today and you've never surrendered to Jesus, or maybe you did a long time ago, but you haven't been, you haven't been living a life that you feel like is, is for Him, listen, listen, you, you can even look at me if you want. It's okay. I don't judge you. I'm not here to judge you. That's not my purpose. No one in this church is going to judge you because we're all guilty. We're all guilty. You're in the place that you need to be today. You're exactly where you need to be today because God loved you that much. There's no happenstance that you wandered into Ridgepoint Church today. There's no happenstance that you just logged online and started watching the service. God knew you were going to be here in this space. And today he's calling you to surrender to him. Not to Ridgepoint Church, not to Pastor Clayton, not to anyone else, but to Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you today, even while everyone's head's bowed, if you want to step out today, I'm pretty forward right now, and I believe that's what I'm supposed to do. I believe that's the the moving of the Holy Spirit. If today you want to surrender your life to Him, I'm asking you to step out, come down to this altar, and kneel right here to pray. I will be right here with you to pray alongside you. Listen, don't fight it. Don't fight it. God has called you. God has called you in this moment, in this time. Step out and come to Him. You're thinking to yourself right now, I can't do it, Pastor. I can't do it. I've done too much. I've got too much going on in my head and my heart. I want you to know one step of faith. One step of faith and God does the rest. Step out on faith right now as the singers start. Let's worship Him. Let's give our lives to Him. Let's surrender. Today is the day. Let's sing again.